Hello there. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. This is not actually an episode, um, oddly enough. It is a kind of a special preview for any of our non-Patreon subscribers. Um, we have a few Patreon listeners who have donated to the show to kind of help us out, um, and uh, they get exclusive content by doing that. They become co-executive producers of the show with us, and so we appreciate everyone who's taken a part, uh, taken part in that with us, and um, and so they actually get exclusive bonus content, bonus shows. And so far we've had two bonus shows that uh, everybody can take advantage of over there on Patreon. Uh, so if you go to patreon.com slash 30 podcast, or if you go to our website, 30 podcast.com and then look for the donate link, uh, or some of the Patreon links that are there on our website, that's a quick and easy way to get there. Um, this preview. So we've had two episodes so far for Patreon exclusive shows. One has been Brewster's millions, uh, with John Candy and Richard Pryor from 1985. And the second one was a three and a half hour extravaganza of the 40th anniversary of The Empire Strikes Back. So we thought we'd give you a quick little taste of that one, uh, a couple of clips here and there from that show in particular. So if you want to hear more, just head on over. Um, any amount of support at Patreon gets you access to these exclusive shows. So hope you enjoy it. Let us know how you're feeling about it. You can leave us a voicemail, uh, join us on Patreon, tweet us, any of that good stuff. Um, but we just want to give you a little bit of taste of what's going on over there at Patreon in case you want to be able to support the show in that way and become a co-executive producer with us. So without further ado, here's The Empire Strikes Back. Well, so let's get ourselves into the asteroid field here. And I had both Pat and Jeff uh, sent me in uh, as I as I said, hey, if you've got musical cues, send me some stuff. And the funny thing was Pat and Jeff pretty much sent me some of the exact same stuff. Um, you, your, <laughs> you, your, your musical cues were were slightly different. I think you gave them to me for slightly different reasons. So I'm going to play both of them. I'll play Jeff's first. And then there was Pat's. You shouldn't have to do this to impress me. Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. Mistake. This could be a sweetheart. I take it back. 
pulverized if we stay out here much longer. You can argue with that. Pulverized? I'm going in closer to one of the big ones. Closer? Closer. <laughs> So anyway, I want to play both of those because I, I think being able to hear the music and then hear the music as it was in the movie with the dialogue and the sound effects and everything else. Um, one of my other things I, I always like to, I always like to key on key in on like little dialogue pieces or things that I think are absolutely hilarious. And the thing that makes me chuckle in that scene is you never know what Chewbacca is saying, but in that scene, what I imagine is when Han is like, we're gonna try to get closer to one of the big ones and, and Leia and three PO and Chewbacca all in, in, in line with each other, like closer, closer. So I'm picturing Chewbacca is saying closer at that moment. But I mean, that whole scene and, and you add in, you know, Jeff, when I, when I was pulling these out for us uh, earlier and I, I listened to just the music, I, I, I love like the asteroid field is one of my favorite pieces of music from any star Wars movie. It is on any playlist. When I want to put together my favorite star Wars pieces of music, it is always in there. And then to play it again and listen with the other sound effects, you know, how the the spinning TIE fighter as it's spinning out of control and, and all that other stuff just kind of plays into almost as if it's accompaniment to the rest of the music as well. But just I, I, you got to listen to it both ways. This is, it's, they're both amazing. So why did you so, Jeff, why did you pick this one out as uh, as something that you wanted to highlight? Uh, just there's something about the composition of it. And that, um, I don't know, it's just, it's so corn Goldian, right? Like it, it, it has that feeling of adventure. It has that feeling of, um, kind of thing like old Errol Flynn movies, right? The swashbuckling hero swinging in and, and, uh, just saving, saving the day. But there's just something about the orchestration that's just so exciting and so vibrant. And it just matches to the excitement of what you're seeing. It just paired so well together. Also, shout out to David W. Collins for teaching me enough to be able to pull out the corn gold reference. <laughs> yeah. Second that, the David W. Collins soundtrack show. And I mean, John and Jeff were responsible for kind of getting me to listen to the soundtrack show. And I know, John, you talked about Star Wars Oxygen. If you like Star Wars and you like the music, or if you just like Star Wars and don't know about the music, or if you like music and don't know anything about Star Wars, check out his podcasts on any of that because he breaks that stuff down so well and educates you on, on music and, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, well said, Jeff. Thank you. Yeah, Pat, why did you pick this scene? Uh, honestly, I think Jeff said it best. I think it just totally scored just adventure, space adventure. And, you know, I mean... I love chase scenes, you know, and, and this is on a sci-fi scale. That's what this is. And and you get to see, you get to see Han Solo and Chewbacca at their best. Like this is, this is how, this is the stuff that made his reputation as a, as a great pilot, you know, flying the millennium Falcon around. So the destroyers all fly, you know, fly into each other and uh, flying into an asteroid field. And that music, you know, right from the get go, right from when he says, never tell me the odds, you know, it's got the, 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 the strings have that kind of a thing that builds you into this, this theme that just explodes out in the brass and, and Jeff just everything Jeff said was like, I totally agree with. It's just this epic theme 
that just makes you think adventure. And, um, you know, this. Well, and you just used the term uh, uh, space adventure. Mm -hmm. It's not space adventure until you put uh, visuals to it. Right. Like that that piece of music can be used for oh, yeah. any sort of chase scene anywhere. I mean, it just it's so well put together and captures the right feeling for that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and and moving away from the music a little bit, just in this scene, just the way that they are able to. Was there something other than music? Th there was. I mean, the visuals. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I must yeah. have missed it. I, there was music too. I mean, the music is is a really great part of it, but no, I, the way they're able to maneuver the ships, you know, compared with what they could do in the original star Wars and, you know, everything was very, you know, very static. And maybe for lack of a better term is you couldn't do a whole lot of crazy maneuvering. So Pat, I think you mentioned it just a couple of minutes ago in this scene, you get to see why Han Solo is the pilot. He is like you, you heard that in the first movie, like he's, he's this, you know, great pilot. He made the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs, but when they have to do, you know, you know, he, I think he makes the comment in the first one. He's like, I know a few maneuvers will outrun them. And it's, it's really just let's bank slightly to the left. Wasn't or, there a family guy episode? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, was that, was that your one maneuver? That was the maneuver. That was, that was your maneuver. Sail listlessly to the left. <laughs> yeah. And then they're all like, you know, they all just yeah. leave. Yeah. 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 If, if you ever want a good laugh, if you have not seen the uh, family guy, star Wars episodes, are they, all, are they all called blue harvest or no, one, no one was blue harvest. No, one was blue harvest is the first one. And then it was um, something, something dark side. Here, give me a second. I can get that. Okay. You can pull those up. No, those are hilarious. Like any, any fan of star Wars, um, unless you just hate family guy for some reason, um, you should go check those out. Oh, you have the trilogy. Nice. Laugh it up. Fuzzball, the family guy trilogy. There you go. Yeah, those are great. But no, I, in this one, you finally get to see what the maneuvering that they can do with the model, with the ship models and the movement of the camera. That was another thing, too, that was different from the first one. I think George Lucas tended to keep the camera pretty still. Um, you know, when he would do a lot of his shots, the camera would be pretty still. And he, because he was such a strong editor, he would do a lot of his action through editing. Yeah. Whereas I think Irvin Kirshner is a different director and he is much more, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to bring some of the action through the actual movement of the camera itself. Um, and so you, you just get, you get certain shots that you never, I don't think you ever would have gotten if George Lucas was fully in charge of the, you know, cinematography and directing of this movie. Yeah. And, and I'll say the other thing in the scene is I'm sure we could say that there's some of the most memorable quotes and exchanges in this scene. Right. But I think what that speaks to is sort of like what I was saying with the, you know, one of Dennis's favorite movies, The Dark Knight. OK, take Batman out of it. What have you got? You got a really stinking good movie. You got a really fantastic crime movie. OK, let's look at this scene. Let's take the, you know, the visuals out of it, like Jeff said, and just listen to the music. OK, now just play the audio. I mean, Harrison Ford just brings it. I mean, capital A acting with those quotes, like never tell me the odds. Like, I mean, you could eat that up all day. You know, the way Carrie Fisher plays off. And she is not necessarily the damsel in distress. I mean, she's just like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. out. Chewbacca is freaking out. They're all freaking out. Like, dude, what is going through your head right now? And, I'm, and I mean, the way she like, you don't need to do this to impress me. And, and it's just like, you know, I mean, their exchanges are so 
believable and so well acted that, I mean, you could just listen to those, that line delivery and be entertained. Right. I love, I love when he sits down for the first time in the cockpit, when, when he and Chewie come running up and he gets in there and she just goes asteroids. And he's just like, Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it, it. He's very much this, the character of Indiana Jones. Yeah. When he has those moments, the thinking on your feet, just got to keep one step ahead of the other guy. That you know, and I, I wait for Indiana uh, Jones and Solo, which came first. The uh, the chi- the chicken came first. <laughs> um, but I think very much to like the end of Temple of Doom when he's on the bridge, and he's yeah. just looking back and forth, and finally just, oh sh, <laughs> like. He's just, he, he's done running. He's, he, he's out of ideas. So I, Hold on, lady. <laughs> we're going for a ride. But I, I, I feel like I'm waiting for that Han Solo moment of just looking around and be like, I've got nowhere to go. I've got nothing left. <laughs> Turn the ship around. I'm putting all the energy in the front deflector. Wait, you're going, you're going to attack them. <laughs> I, and I love he, he won't, he won't necessarily say anything in front of, Leia or anybody else, but when he and Chewie are back trying to work on the hyperdrive or whatever it is, he's it's like, I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. Yeah. Yeah. That's the ego. Yeah. yeah. It's got that Han Solo ego. It's like, I'm not going to tell anybody else this, but. Um, I know you guys are talking about the music and you guys like obviously do such a good job with that and pretty much agree with everything you're saying there. I, I had interesting thing. I remembered back in uh, probably one of the early years of my class that I was doing at school. We were looking at how music affects different things. So you could take this soundtrack and put and which ones can work in different situations. At some point, I vaguely remember, and I, I, I did this that one year, one time I didn't do all time, but I remember taking the music from, I believe, the asteroid field scene, the chase scene there, and I put it on the barrel chase of Jaws. Really? Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't know why. Those are like chasings, and I was just trying to see what works and what doesn't work. And it was just we were experimenting. Like we put sometimes silly music on things and said, look at how this makes the chase not effective. And then it was like, wow, this and I remember thinking, like, interestingly enough, John Williams, the same composer, sort of has fun with those chase scenes. There's a certain I don't like in the mood of Jaws at that point, sort of shifts. It's a weird, you know, like there's the very serious theme. And then when you go to that theme in the water when they're chasing the barrels. It sort of gives me the same sort of fun kind of almost amusement park ride of like asteroid scene. That's so cool. Do you still have that? I don't. I can't. It was on the old, old hard drive somewhere. And I just would supplement and put like take out the bit. I would, you know, screen capture scenes and then I would just play and replace it with different soundtracks from different places. And I remember one of them, two of my, I love the chase scene in Jaws with the barrels. Like they're like almost having fun during that. But anyway, so I'm just saying like the, the John Williams seems to have fun with the chase scene. For about the last half hour, 40 minutes of the movie, you've, you've lost Han Solo. You, I mean, Luke is just, it's a progressive beat down for Luke the entire time. How many other movies, especially a movie that, you know, as we've kind of said before, relatively designed for kids um, in terms of the story and the, the adventure piece of it and everything. But how many times do you have a movie like that where it's just as an audience member, as, as a, as a viewer, almost just demoralizing. 
But at the same time, once it's all done, like there is that little bit of hope at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, this is, I mean, it's a star yeah, Wars but, movie. It's, it's an adventure movie, but at the same time, it's like, you have just spent as an audience member, you're exhausted by the time you get, you feel like you said, Jeff, you kind of feel some of that total domination of our heroes. By the time you get to the end of this movie, you kind of have, not that you feel what Luke feels, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have a sense of, I feel like I have lost a lot too, you know, now, as, I'm as gonna, I've, um, this is going to like probably seem really weird coming out of my head. Um, the, the connection I have to him jumping off and sliding down the thing. I don't know why, but the same demoralized feeling is what I get when I see Christmas story. He finally gets up to Santa and then all of a sudden he finds out Santa's like, you know, this horrible person and he pushes and he's like, no, I want to run by he, he shoves him with his foot and he goes sliding down into the little pit at the bottom and just lays there. That's what I feel like Luke kind of did at the end was just like, <laughs> I got nothing left. I tried and, and you just slide down and all your hopes for Christmas and Santa are just like, there's that sort of sense of hopelessness at that point that, that I equate. And I always feel like that sliding down the ramp and, and there for some reason, I don't know why that connects to me. I don't know why. You just see, you see Darth Vader's black boot just go right towards his head. <laughs> like, it's like, like, I want to, I want to, I want a Jedi lightsaber with a Kyber crystal and, his, and, his, and his I just a be a good guy to be here. So you, let me do that. You'll, you'll nope. cut your, you'll cut your hand off kid. <laughs> It's that hopeless slide yeah. down the, 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 the thing there where it's like, yeah, we got nothing. And I think as, as an audience, you slid right down there with them. I mean, there was no other option. You're either joining him, which wasn't an option. You can't beat them. You have nothing to do. You don't even have an arm. Mm-hmm. It's like you have no light. Like there is no hope. There is no rescue. There is no, um, you know, um, Calvary coming in for you. Yeah. Like there's a lot of characters, Han Solo's and freaking Carbonite. Yeah, he's like, an ice what? cube so who there's nothing left here you know it was i didn't even think of yoda like i i remember even during that movie you never think like well yoda's gonna come in here and do something mm-hmm. it wasn't dagobah just saying man that kid's in, in for it you know <laughs> it, it just there was no hope at that point in the movie i remember that well thanks for joining us for this preview of the patreon exclusive empire strikes back 40th anniversary episode if you want to find out more go to 30podcast.com check out our donate page and learn how you can donate on patreon and become a co-executive producer of the show in the meantime be excellent to each other go watch some good movies and may the force be with you